What's happening, gang? We are live in uh, Living Color for the first time at Behind the Play Podcast. I'm Matt Martin, and I'm sitting with uh, Jim Stewart. My name is Jim Stewart, and here we are with my, with my fancy video switcher that we've got going on here. As you guys can see, Matt's camera is way nicer than mine. Mine is a cheap webcam, and Matt has a very nice look it's about actually, him. It's Jim's camera. Yeah, <laughs> so this is Jim's camera. And, and to be quite honest, uh, this whole thing has been jim's work i have a little bit of creative input i suppose but he is really the heartbeat behind the technical side of behind the blade so i mean you're like the dr drew to my adam carolla except <laughs> i'm not man. funny and you're not a doctor <laughs> no no in fact i failed out of medical school that's a different story <laughs> right. for another time that uh, i really don't want to get into at this point but uh but we wanted to um we wanted to just say f it and go live so here we are we're doing it. Um, we have we have video switching software. We have multiple cameras. We have setups to go to. Um, um, what, what what are they? Review. Re we're gonna we're gonna do reviews with the with with the GoPro. Okay. And, oh and right. The yeah. And the connection. Like in, in hand reviews. And the, right. in, in hand reviews and the connections. We can do cool stuff like. I've got this knife, and and you can see it, yeah. and I'm gonna talk about it, and we're gonna like do knife fighting flips with it just like this and That's and uh now That's i'm gonna a cut to inside Matt. joke yeah so um <laughs> so basically the idea is here is to provide a visual experience i mean what we do uh what we describe we can only articulate so far before you guys are scratching your heads i remember reading the bob loveless book how to make knives and the gaps between photos had me scratching my head. I was like, well, what did he do between this step and that step? And so being able to provide, <laughs> yeah. uh, as Jim just so aptly uh, demonstrated, being able to provide in-hand shots of the knives. Uh, we have a little station set up over here that we will be fitting with cameras and proper lighting so that we can have kind of a bench top review sort of area to work on. Oh, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be, be pretty cool. cool. So, yeah. um, but what mm -hmm. we do ask from you guys as we do this kind of beta test today uh, is some input, you know, so anything that you guys have to say that you'd like to see, um, we're, I mean, we're willing to listen to all recommendations and uh, we may or may not follow any of them, but give us your best <laughs> shot. We want to make this for you. Otherwise, I mean, Jim and I talk mm -hmm. like this regularly anyway, so the only difference is the microphone to be able to share the experience with you guys. So, right, of and, course. and to share more, we want to check this out. So this is kind of cool. So I can actually show off, let me see where the focal point is on this. I can show off a knife, you know what I mean? That's kind mm -hmm. of exciting stuff. So th that is the whole point of this. And that visual experience also lends to a greater reach, a greater audience. Obviously the onus is on us to provide a certain level of content and quality. Um, but by uploading to YouTube, it makes it easier to access these episodes. We're also going to have the audio file. Maybe Jim, you can explain this, the audio file, not mm -hmm. as in somebody who gets aroused by sound, but <laughs> audio file. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. an audio file. I'm like, so point on your speaker where you touch it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. um, but that allows people to revisit the videos. And if uh, we do have the audio file uploaded, sorry, I'm coming back full circle. The audio file will be uploaded to our podcast, Stitcher account, SoundCloud, yep. iTunes, whatever it is. Yo, well, I've got it. I've got it localized. So all we need to do is as soon as we're done here, um, I've got a local recording going as well. So what we're doing is we're streaming to Facebook right now. I'd like to see how far I could push the computer that we have now. I'd also like to stream to YouTube live. Um, that'll actually reduce my time in this whole thing. But if I can't do that, let's say worst case scenario, right? I stream to Facebook. 
I take the file, I take the local recording that goes immediately just right up to YouTube because we're going to be on top of our video switching and going back and forth. Oh yeah, and, that's... And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 something that we agreed to do off off uh, off camera is that uh, Matt's got a mouse and I've got a mouse and then we both got the controls for the video switching thing. So at any point we can just kind of like cut back and forth. For instance, each here's other. me now. You're, See, what I'm, are you I'm doing? learning how to click the buttons. Okay, so we're gonna go back to Jim. Yep. Uh, so we don't <laughs> have a sound engineer. So, we don't no, have a studio no, no, engineer. We're, we're You're doing, looking at us. Right, right, right. We're doing it ourselves, just live as things go, and uh, and that's totally cool. So what we're gonna do is um, we host our podcast through SoundCloud. So we're going to take that video file that's a local recording. We're going to dump it into Premiere. We're going to export the audio as an MP3 or an AUG or whatever, and then dump that on the podcast file. So what we're going to try to endeavor to do, and we talked about this the entire time we even discussed live video, is that we're going to take, um, we're going to take the live audio and we're going to keep that in mind as we stream live video. Right. Right. So it's like for you audio listeners who are just tuning in or who are just, just hearing this audibly, um, check us out on the behind the blade trench group and we'll just dump all the information there. And so the podcast feed will still be active. You'll still be able to subscribe to podcasts, hear everything that we're talking about now, but you can join us live at a predetermined time every week. Right. So that, uh, there's there's a lot of, that's what I love is the pressure. That's what we needed was more pressure on being on time for the podcast (laughs) after hours in the shop. And I guess it would be tantamount to, calling a baseball game over the an AM radio, right? So sure. you're going to describe things as best as you possibly can to Jim's point that mm-hmm. we're not detracting anything from the audio podcast itself, but it's an augmentation. You're going to get more from the video, but you won't be left without just by going audio. You're Correct. standing at the grinder yep. with your earbuds in. You're still going to get the full behind the blade experience, mm-hmm. um, but you will get more. You get to go to watch the video and you can even look at your timestamp be like i want to see that new spider coat they're using or i want to see that right. custom they just finished or whatever right. it is and uh, and that that dramatically helps us that dramatically helps us as well because you can you can come back with hey when jim was taking around his phone acting as an ip camera watching matt flat grind something <laughs> at four minutes and 83 seconds because that's a thing. Four minutes and 22 seconds? Five I, minutes I, and 22 seconds. I got excited with my numbers. My bad. <laughs> but no, we can do that. We can take our cell phones and use them as IP cameras. We can get actual like GoPros themselves and use those as IP cameras or wired cameras. And we can actually put them on the grinder and then stream that live. So, Which is awesome. So I, that's I mean, cool. Yeah. Like, so like live in real time, you can share with us the experience of making a knife start to finish. And Matt actually has a fantastic shop dedicated to just streaming or well yes just streaming but making knives start to finish it's the, yeah, you, i mean obviously <laughs> you guys are pretty spun up on that mm-hmm. we've been talking about retooling the shop um we'll get a lot more in depth on this today's whole focus was really just to get a just a test like a systems test to a very localized audience which are you guys our followers and we wanted to let you know that we were thinking about you and uh so what we are going to do right now jim i think we are going to burp and then uh <laughs> We're going to answer the Q&As that we kind of left hanging. I think I think we've yeah. addressed the – I had to make some notes because I'm stupid and I can't remember <laughs> Me too. everything. I understand. <laughs> so, but I think we have everything covered as far as that goes. So let's get to your Q&As. Q&As. And I have them pulled up on my device right here. You've got them? Uh, I do. So you're going to have to bear with me because mm-hmm. let's see. 
just going to go through and find ones that we've already commented on. I probably should have already done this. We, you know what? As just okay. like a normal thing, we probably should just like each one as we answer That's it. That's what I'm doing oh, right, right now. Okay. <laughs> so here's there a question go. that came in uh, two weeks ago from Mark Hicks. And uh, although I'll, I'll read this. I'd like to know everything about quality control from both your perspectives, more of an episode suggestion than a question. Um, I do think there could be an entire episode, almost like a full-blown tech tips um, to be able to cover that. But the reality is right now, as we're shipping out knives, just to kind of give this like a, a vignette, I guess, would you call it that? You know, mm -hmm. just a yeah, little side sure. story. Um, quality control only exists if you have a set standard. Now that set standard can be visual. It doesn't always, I mean, in the case of a machine component, it's quantifiable, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. you're going to be uh, plus or minus whatever the tolerance call out on the print is. But when it comes to knives, there's a lot of it that's visual. And in my experience, and I would say in the latter part of my, I guess I've been doing this 11 years plus or minus. Yeah, yes. yeah 11 years now. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that it is visual and you gotta know when to say when you, you it's true you, because it's true because it's, it's super easy it's uh yeah there we go, it's, there we go. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting used to it it's it's super easy to put on your artist hat and just be like no and then and, and just be like no you know what i'm gonna get out my diamond file set and i'm gonna spend four hours filing this one scratch out of the guard right here right and, and uh, i mean even from an economic yeah. value versus just a um standards value it it eventually it becomes ego at some point mm -hmm. i'm denying the customer his knife because i want to say that my plunges are the most perfect which they're not i'm not saying that I'm just, but <laughs> but you're like no i'm like you know to jim's point you spend mm -hmm. four hours with a needle file getting everything right, right on a 400 knife i'm not as worried about the lost time because trust me in knife making there's tons of lost time sometimes things mm -hmm. don't cooperate and you oh, end yeah. up just you're like why isn't this acid etching For so sure. you're cleaning and cleaning and mm -hmm. cleaning but so I, I, so yeah it absolutely it absolutely happens even even like in the production setting so we have a lot of hand finished products at barker right we do a lot of hand finished stuff and there's a lot of knives that uh, not a lot let me rephrase about i'd say 10 percent of the product doesn't survive the first pass through the grinding room does that make sense oh okay yeah right, so, uh, right. initial fallout would be 10 percent. right, right. Yeah. initial fallout would be 10 percent. so a lot of that stuff can go back it's very very rare when we don't have something that that completely can't be fixed at all but but we always have go backs because we're checking, you know, what the quality is because we're in a production environment because we have so many people, we have to have a standard and the standard is pass fail. If it passes, but that's visually based, but right? that's visually based because yes, you're not if, taking micrometers to it or nope, even like a right. small machinist ruler or something like that. It's just like, does that look up to standard? Correct. Which correct. is kind of a arbitrary thing when you really think about mm -hmm. it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, it's arbitrary to the person, but the best we can do is have like, like some sort of a visual demonstration of an example, an example, exactly, exactly. An example of precisely what it is that is correct. And to, and to hand somebody a knife and say, this is the worst it can be. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, this is the worst that it can be. If it's worse than this, it fails. It has to go back to get fixed to either get the polish taken out, the scratches removed, or uh, rebuilt. Even now, in some you, cases, do you guys have a checklist? Uh, we do. We do. We actually have. We actually have a uh, like a like a like a written check mark tick box that the girls in the back actually follow. The um, the more experienced girls know by heart. Right. So they know just like instantly when they pick up a knife, they instantly like, 
Okay, plunge lines, plunge lines. Okay, all right. All right we're gonna we're gonna sight down the knife. We're gonna take a look at it just real quick. If the if the grind lines look off, uh, Barker vs. Standard is like a sixteenth of an inch. Okay. If it's if it's outside of a sixteenth of an inch, then it's a no. If it's inside a sixteenth of an inch, then it's a yes. That's just tolerance, right? Granted, I mean, that, our, everybody has to have right. A we're not a five hundred dollar knife company. We're right. a two hundred dollar knife company. Right. So so I mean, there's 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 certain amounts there that we have to get out that we have to let go. Um, and uh, there are more advanced things that I really. Uh, me and only one or two other people around the shop can really do, but we try to set things up so that those advanced tips never have to come into play. It's always it's right. always the same kind of spectrum of problems. Look at the tip, look at the handle, are there scratches on it, that's, are they visible? Uh, that's what we have. You we know, have like a 26-point checklist that starts at the tip, ends at the sheath. Right. And it right. goes everywhere from grind symmetry, the surface finish anomalies, mm -hmm. gaps and scales, and it's all just visual inspect for you know, check this, check this, is the maker's mark straight, you know, whatever it yeah, is. Exactly. And so, but it just starts at the very tip and it ends at the sheath, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, fitment of the sheath, you know, and all that stuff. So we have, for new hires, we give them this 26, I want to say it's 26, it's the number keeps jumping in my head. Right. Uh, we give them this 26 uh, point inspection sheet and say, this is how you learn. And it's a great opportunity for them to learn their operations in the shop just mm -hmm. to go tangential for a second sure because now they know what they're looking for so they they start by inspecting the knives and then when you say okay i need you to glue these handles on they mm -hmm. already are programmed to not have any gaps they already right. know that they're going to be looking for that right right well, they, they know they know at the other end of the the spectrum they know the other end of the spectrum that um this checklist is standard right Whoever's at the other end of the spectrum is going to be looking for these things. Yes. And the last thing that you want to do is have that person come back to you, the guy assembling, and say, hey, you've got gaps. Right. Yeah, your absolutely. liners are off. Oh, God. Your pins weren't fully surfaced. So the chamfer around the pins caused a gap around the perimeter of the pin. So it has to be taken down more now. It's be all more about out of spec just to cover your thing. And so it's all about like, it, so it's almost self-defensive. But it's, it's cultural all... programming. Oh, it's it's, it's you know what I mean. Like yeah, that's, you're, you're like this is how our shop operates, and they know that from the beginning to the end. So, Correct. Mark, I think a good episode would be if uh, if we like hammed up some knives and then made some <laughs> knives to our standard. Yeah, and then went through the, our respective checklists and be like, mm -hmm. pass, fail. Here, here's what we're talking about. Right, absolutely. But at the very least, we could in a tech tip segment give you uh, the points that we examine. Well, yeah, so absolutely, say, absolutely. Let's see so, here. What's next? Uh, we already asked that one. So, okay. So we answered that. Sorry, guys. I know super professional. And this is good radio watching a guy on Facebook on air. <laughs> uh, well, well, you have to understand this is like a beta episode for us. So we're like, so we're like, do you want to just do this? And we're like, yeah, yeah, let's just, let's just do this. It's fine. It's the fine. Fences. All right. So this is from Tyler Schmeling, uh, who I happen to know is a professional photographer. Uh, when posting images of your knives to your own website, what do you look for in a quality photo? Um, oh, it's a good question. So- Mm -hmm. We do photos a little bit. You guys actually do photos. We do them similarly, our, our two companies. But right. you look at like DLT Trading who does product photography mm -hmm. sure. uh, as standalone, zero props, zero dramatic lighting. It mm -hmm. is like a very accurate interpretation of the product. Yes. You know, I mean, it mm -hmm. is borderline under fluorescent light so that you can see it extraordinarily clearly and you're making a very uh informed purchase right right well that, that's that's the plus about dlt not to give them a free plug but right but but they but they but they do put a lot of emphasis on making sure pictures are extremely crisp and and you know exactly down to the detail exactly what you're getting right exactly so, so, so um but and, uh, we we kind of, we, we both kind of do the same thing we have to, we have we have different methods of approach yep about it um we but what's important what are the what are the yeah. key points on yours uh consistency 
So, so, so it's consistency between between the pictures to make sure that the knife is basically basically it's composition. So it's like the knife is in the same spot. Um, everything has the same color. Everything has the same grade. Then, then you know, so there aren't like different contrasts or different brightnesses or hues between each picture. Right. We batch process them. Everything's in focus. The uh, the stencil looks good. The stencil looks dark, crisp, clear. Um, and that uh, that that the knife itself doesn't look jacked up. Right. Via our quality control process that we just talked about, um, that uh, that they look fairly consistent from piece to piece. I we have a pretty artistic uh, sense. My wife Jenna does all mm -hmm. the photography, and she does a. I mean, we started seriously, guys. We we start. I'm gonna look at the camera right now. We start. <laughs> we started with a hacky sack as a as a knife jack that supported it <laughs> over a piece of black neoprene. That was how our photo booth started, and I want to uh -huh. say it was like a one megapixel camera we were using. Oh yeah, it was whatever you and had. And it was right? a giant the digital, thing. like, oh my God, welcome to the new era. And and so we started that way, but through that, we, you know, uh, Jenna really cultivated our, an artistic eye when it came to photography. Jenna's got a really good sense of composition. She, she really does. She really does. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and it seems to evolve. And honestly, technically, I mean, you look at her photographs, she's not like a technical camera operator. Mm -hmm. She's like an image capturer. Yes, so and that, you, that is a much different It's mindset. art versus science, yep, you know what sure. I mean? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she's really good at that. But the things that we do, now one thing that we don't do in our photos, we don't edit. We don't, we don't. Um, <laughs> but your pictures look so good. No, That's not fair. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we adjust, you know, some contrast and shadows and stuff like that. And then brightness and highlights, mm -hmm. but we don't remove any blemishes from the knife. Even if that knife is not for sale, it's already bespoke or whatever mm -hmm. it is. We, the only thing that we will remove is like a, a rogue hair. Right. Like or a yeah, piece yeah. of lint, and then we'll go through and we'll scrub <laughs> that piece off in the photograph and post. But we actually don't edit any flaws out. Right. So I mean, obviously, Jenna wants to use flattering lighting, mm -hmm. and and we there's nothing hidden. Like I mean, there's no blackout. Like you can't see the rest of the knife or anything. Right. It's not yeah. taken through mesh screen or anything like yeah. that. I mean, it's a clear picture. Mm -hmm. But the things that we look for, I like to see edge highlighting. If there's any particular part of a, of a knife that I'm proud of. Or maybe as a photographer, third party who has the knife, uh, maybe there's something that you're proud of. Show that part off. And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a macro shot. Mm -hmm. It just means that, it, hey, man, I love the way this edge looks up against this grind or the way these plunges pop. Then selectively kind right. of light and angle to yep. highlight those points. So for me, that's what I like. It's, it's like, hey, we can all see the cellulite if we stand under fluorescent lights. Right. You know what I mean? We can all find that, that errant. Uh, you know, satin scratch that it, it might be a couple degrees off one way or the other, whatever mm -hmm. that is. But let's look at the things that we love about the knife and, and let's showcase those. So I like to have some dynamic shots. I like to make it look actionful. I mean, knives. Oh, yeah. Very mm -hmm. few of us have knives as a professional need. And even fewer of us mm -hmm. carry Fairbane Sykes as, as, as frequently as we carry our debit card. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. You're selling yeah. an experience with these things. And I like my photos, the ones that Jenna takes and, you know, and she does a lot of it hundred percent autonomously, but where I do have input, I, I want it to invoke a feeling. And when you look at it, you got it. You have to be in that scenario and in that time frame or time period. Yeah. And I think the, the I think the photograph so, can do so much of that. So, so, so some, summing it all up, the word is visceral. Yes, you want you want a visceral, a visceral effect, reaction, yeah, reaction yeah. to, to the whole thing. But um, um, to to add to what Matt's saying, as far as the uh, as far as like the technical aspects, sixteen by nine, three hundred um three hundred um three hundred DPI, 
is what is this you want. what he was asking? Did I just go on like no, an no, no, we, no, 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 journey? No, 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 no. We're we're hitting all the bases. <laughs> okay, it, was, gotcha. it was a very general question. Perfect. So we're 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 over delivering. <laughs> we're over delivering on this one. So so no. Um, yeah, the sense of artistry that that you pose that Jenna has, um, is absolutely important. The technical aspects are also important because it, everybody seems to run their photos through Camera Raw, Photoshop, or GIMP or something. Um, it's 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 all very important stuff. Um, as far as just like minor editing, it depends on your camera. Matt, see, Matt and Jenna seem to have their camera. They just take the picture and it's good. That's done. I Dude, like. We're, we're seriously using right? like Microsoft supplied editing software. That's what we, whatever came with our computer <laughs> and you can adjust uh -huh. sharpness, contrast, um, saturation, right. hue, like that's it. Right. Like, I, I, we could drop highlights and make it uh, brighter or darker. Like, right. Those are, we have like eight sliders on the, so, on the right and that's what all the editing is. So it, it may sound, it may sound a little arrogant to say, but that if you take a good picture, that's all you need. I mean, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's just I mean, honestly, that's, that's all you need. If, uh, if you take a good picture. So I would definitely check your, your camera settings, make sure that you're clear, make sure that your colors are good or, um, do on purpose, take, take your photo with as much detail as possible. That's a different way to look at it. Of course, is like, take, take your, take your, take your image very flat, but tons of detail and then go into your photo editor and bring all the color out. Make like, it pop. Like uh, go get like a, like no joke, go get like a cinema film LUT or something that you could just apply directly to it. And LUT is, LUT, LUT means lookup table. Oh, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, a set of colors that are a file and you can apply them to a flat image oh, to give it a look. Okay. Right. Gotcha. And then you can apply that LUT to the entire batch of images that you've taken flat. And then you don't have to go through and individually, you know, just manipulate, do, manipulate each just one, a, like a template. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and stuff like that is important to us. We use, we actually use Adobe Lightroom for a lot of our batch. Processing. We have it, you know, we, right. we don't yeah. use it. Well, you, we do have it. you guys, you guys don't really need it because you don't do batch pictures. Right. That's what it's no, for. That's a good it's, point. Cause we it, don't need a color right. batch or color balance a whole right, lot. Right. You might need Photoshop. Yeah. Right. You and, and that's an awesome. That's an awesome tool. Yeah. Many Photoshop for 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 the batch that you get, and and that's it. So it all depends on what you need. So um. All right. So uh, why don't we go on to the next one, Matt? Next What's one. the next one? Let's see here. Justin Medley, favorite and least favorite seal to work with. My least favorite seal to work with so far has been M4. Oh, just because it's wear <laughs> resistance. Right? Just because I will go through double the number of belts. I increase my purchases. Oh, sorry, you know, no, it's all good. It's all leave good. it, leave it like this, so we don't okay. have to screw with it. Yeah, it's I, okay. Well, well, I mean, it, it should go back and forth. Like, if we're on a monologue, we should, we should switch. Like, yeah. like if you're going off on something, I'll just be like, oh, Matt's talking a lot. Boop, there's well, Matt, we'll and then, it, and then we'll yeah. go back to this. Yeah, that's fine. So no, it's fine. We'll, we'll play that one by ear. But um, it, it goes through double the number of belts, and yep. purchasing is is something that I have, a, I have a huge hand in. So purchasing of materials and supplies for the shop. So, uh, so like my brain immediately goes aware. It's like, okay. We're gonna we're gonna have oh I don't know triple the belt cost this week because we're doing M fours and that'll yeah. be like oh where am I gonna come up with the extra three thousand dollars in the budget this week uh, no big deal yeah no kidding you know <laughs> it's it's not just so, it's just not it's not just the dollars per pound of steel that, right. that goes gets rolled into that mm -hmm. price you know what I right mean? of course so. of course so my uh, my favorite seal to work with before Matt takes over is uh, my favorite seal is CPM one fifty four absolutely CPM one fifty four and I came into that latent it used to be three V but I was confusing my impression with its performance as my impression with working with it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Nothing satins like CPM one fifty four. Nothing <laughs> like satins like yeah. CPM one fifty four. So CPM one fifty four comes up comes up like a mirror really easily. I mean, if I can make a nearly flawless mirror, <laughs> Re really easily. Will you <laughs> show easily? me? Yeah. yeah. I guess, uh, <laughs> a lot of time. Nearly yeah. flawless. It's not. It's not like yours though. Your your mirrors. 
really good. No, so, Hiroshi Suzuki or Steve Johnson, those guys can drop uh, near, uh, uh, Zach Buchanan. Uh-huh. Uh, he's another one that, I mean, these they're black. You go to Blade Show, they mm-hmm. are black. Oh, my God. Anything that All looks right. like a blemish uh-huh. is like a gnat turd that fell on it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that just blows it's off. Gone. <laughs> it, yeah, perfect. <clears throat> that's yeah. awesome yeah it's always good to all right so uh what are your favorite seals to work with that oh uh, i mean gp 154 right and my least favorite to work with is uh 3v and those are the only really two steals that we offer other than 01 so I mean, <laughs> there's going to be a first and second place you know what i mean 3v sure. 3v's wear resistance uh it has like a, a strange anomalous property that I, I can't quite scientifically put a pin in yet but um when you satin it, you can have it up to a really good finish. And then when you go through whatever your satining process, whether it's satin glow, mm-hmm. scotch bright belts, a fine 600 grit belt, whatever it is, yeah, you can only take it so far post heat treat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happens, but it seems to, and I know the difference between a latent 60 grit scratch and a 600 grit that now resembles a 320 or, or 120 grit. Oh, oh, right, right, right. I know that because I'll counter polish. I've sure. done this where yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll take it up to 320. I'll take it to six this way, 1200 this way, 2000 this way, 2000 this way. There's a 120 somewhere. Right. So, yeah. and, and I have smeared every mm-hmm. scratch, you yeah. know, uh, yep. parallel and way. perpendicular to the mm-hmm. edge of the knife. So, there's something about it. Some, some, I don't know if they're carbides. I don't know. I'm not going to get into that because I honestly, I don't understand it, but there is something to it that in that steel matrix, there is something softer than another constituent of that material. And <laughs> it is getting removed and it is leaving a gnarly scratch. This is post heat treat specifically because I can get an okay finish out of it pre heat treat. Yep. Cook it, hope for the best and then come back and, and kind of finish it out. But I found that it is just a lot harder to get look as pretty as uh cpm 154 plus it does not yeah. have the same corrosion resistance um, it's but, very true eight percent versus eight percent versus i think 13 percent yeah yeah or 12 percent uh, uh, four, 14 14 yeah, percent on, on yes. cpm 154 yes. if i'm not mistaken what am so, i thinking of a 12 percent i think d2? i'm just thinking d2 is yeah, that 12 percent d2 yeah okay well um, there you go but uh yeah so i mean it's it but you know some knives look better than others and some of them are tougher than others it's mm-hmm. just all there is to it yeah <laughs> Some steels are just meant to have a satin. That's, yeah, just got to say. Yep, gotta All right, next question. So next question. Do you have them up or here we go? Um, I, I do have them up, but I'm uh, not quite sure where you're looking. Mike, all right. Favorite knife at the moment? <laughs> if you'd asked me this uh, two hours ago, Christopher Morris, I know you asked three weeks ago, <laughs> but if you'd asked this two hours ago, I, I would have had a completely different answer, but I'm not going to share that at this time. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting journey. I was there to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh-huh. My mama said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So my favorite knife at this moment, honestly, right now, mm-hmm. I have a hankering. Yeah, I, what? I have a hankering. What? what? You got to tell me. What's up? Applegate Fairbane Combat Dagger. Yeah? I had one years ago. Yeah? And uh-huh. I am just a little, just, just a little micro obsession over it. I, I know <laughs> because the other day I was driving somewhere and I'm driving through a big field and, mm-hmm. and there's like deer over here and I mean, totally unrelated to anything. And I was like, I gotta get me another Applegate Fairbane Combat deck. <laughs> it just I, occurs. I, I just, and I was like, okay, if I was gonna pick a knife to obsess over this month, uh, that's probably the one. Mm-hmm. So that, there that, you go. That's a good one to obsess over, though. That one's that. That's a cool dagger. I need more daggers in my life, right? Right, right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've, I've been a huge on a 
I'm a huge dagger kick lately. Oh, I mean, so what's <laughs> on your radar, Jim? What are you thinking about? Um, my favorite knife at the moment. I'm still, I'm still kind of digesting the fact that I have a giant mouse Ace Biblio. It's a pretty sweet knife. It's a though. pretty, yeah. it's a pretty cool knife. I mean, like, um, I didn't, I didn't know if I'd, didn't know if I'd like it. A nice gentleman by the name of Richard Hood offered to trade uh, a, a giant mouse Ace Biblio for um one of my custom daggers. Nice. So, um. I didn't exactly say yes, but he sent it to me anyway. <laughs> so, then, so I'm like, oh, wow. so I'm like, you're lucky I like you, Mister Hood. So, um, so his his dagger's on the way, but um, I've actually been carrying it, and uh, it fits my hand very well. It's very comfortable to use. I've done lots of stuff with it. I've done I've done uh, notching. I made a figure four trap with it nice. the other day, and it came together very nicely. And then uh, it's a very very smooth action flipper. I previously on a previous episode when I was talking about it. I said that it was made by not the right person. Let's just go ahead and say that. They're made by Viper. Oh. Maniago. Okay. Um, but they're made to these guys' perfect specs. Is that Italy? Yeah, it's Italy. Oh, okay. That, that, that's, um, oh, they're made in Italy? Yeah, they're made in... They're, they're, oh, I thought they were made in Taiwan. No, no, they're they're Italian. And oh. uh, there's this like, a little cottage cottage industry in Maniago. Oh, no doubt. That, uh, that uh, it's, it's Viper, it's Lion Steel, it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of other... Um, bunch of those other brands fox I think fox yeah, yes fox, fox is, is in there, there too, for yeah. sure um but uh you take a look at this design and this knife is like and maybe maybe it's the maker in me that pulls this first instead of the actual usability of the knife but it's like you look at that knife and you you in every every curve every line every piece of finish how it's constructed is all on purpose none of it is by accident or a result and you can just tell by looking at it you know what I'm talking about? The, uh, the I heard from a, a guy at the guild. Mm -hmm. Paramount is paying attention to every surface of the knife. Yeah. And so, I mean, you think everything is a is a cube, right? Everything right. is basically six sides, except for the very, very edge. And even mm -hmm. on a microscopic level, it has that. But everything kind of has six sides. So every surface needs to show some kind of attention to right. it. Mm -hmm. And that knife... You know, I'll be honest. I, I'm not really that crazy about the design. Like, I, yeah. like to me, I'm like, mm -hmm. but, but you look at it, and when you look at the execution, it brings you all the way full circle. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a hell of a knife. I mean, yeah. this is it's just a real piece. Well, I mean, you you take a look at it, and especially from from our perspective and your guys' perspective, of course, as well. I mean, once you know what the raw material looks like and how manufacturers get it, right, and how they transform this giant sheet of carbon fiber into perfect, perfect small step over. Perfect small step over, machined, perfectly executed lines that they just put together. You're just like, I don't know what planet I'm on. Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely it's a insane. lot of operations it's, it's for cool. production. You, you have a you have a huge respect for stuff like that. It's not just oh magic. Santa dropped the knife under the tree. I'm going to look at it. Oh, this is cool, and then you put it away. You instantly start looking at it and went, this was a sheet of carbon fiber at one point. This was a sheet of three thirty seconds titanium. A at sheet. some point a sheet yeah, of a raw it. material so it's right. like so it's like and then and, and working with all that stuff you you just start to you just start to really have an appreciation for it and i know that you guys know exactly what i'm talking about too because you guys are all in the same trenches that we are so so here we so, go we got our sure. next, right, next next question up this is from brian hooten uh favorite accidental knife making discovery like some trick you figured out by accident while doing something in the <laughs> shop any serendipitous discoveries jim <laughs> all right so, Bark River offers this interesting thing called a slanted spacer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, that was, Dad got mad at me uh, one day at the shop, and I was a rebellious 16-year-old, or maybe I was 17 at the time, 
And I went, I went, I'm not going to do what that says. I'm going to go do what I want. And then I went and I made a custom and I decided that I was going to put slanted spacers on a full tang knife. There you go. And I figured out the process <laughs> and I got it done. And dad comes out and finds me after I just finished life. I finished my crying. It's not even polished yet, but it's like at a 2000 grit stage. Right. And, and dad, dad's like, it's like, what the hell are you working on? Why aren't you working on the, Oh, what is this? And, and I showed it to him and it was like this blue burled poop shaped handled yeah. kind of a, kind of like a, with a pearl spacer in it. And, and, uh, and then and honestly it was a spacer and it looked good. And dad looks at that and he goes, can I, uh, how did you do that? How'd you do that? How'd you do that? I'm like, well, I started with the one piece in the front and I faced them both exactly the same anchoring, you know, off of uh, the pinhole in the front. And I, and I made it flat and I glued it on flat and I built my sides and uh, I put it together. He goes, he goes, cool. He takes a picture of it and sends it to both our major, or both our major, you know, distributors for a higher end line. Yeah. You guys All did, of a sudden I have pre-orders. Here we are like 15 years later and I'm still making them. Yeah, but you're really good. You're the master <laughs> of that spacer, man. Like, yeah, that, that is really impressive to see. Thanks. Um, I would say I, our serendipitous discovery was, uh, sorry, I'll move this from the microphone. Sorry, guys. Uh, got to hydrate or die. <laughs> um, satin tiger lips. Uh, I have one. That is here. pretty cool, though. Okay, so satin tiger lips, just so you guys can see it. Mm -hmm. This is kind of nice having the camera here, right? So it's kind of a Vietnam era tiger stripe pattern, if you will. And um, this this is a bright finish on it, as opposed to uh, maybe a more typical subdued variant. And the light's picking up highs that aren't really there unless they're under direct light. And we have a lot of different methods for doing this, but it's a it's a acid resist and uh, you know and a dip and then a reacid. Well, they were all black before they were all black. Mm -hmm. And I was having issues soldering a guard or something like that. And mm -hmm. it was on a like a production tunnel wrap. Right. And I said, well, there's no way that this is deep enough to survive like a resatening. Like it's just going to wipe all the stripes away and I'll end up with like a plain And you light. have to do it all over again. Yeah, right, right. Well, yeah. It, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Course. So so mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see mm -hmm. what happens. And so I take it to the satining wheel just to even out the finish because something had happened. There was a bright spot somewhere or something like that. And I said, oh, my God, it survived the process. And not only that, <laughs> uh -huh. it looks awesome. So, well, I mean. Talking about the satin tiger lips? Yeah, the satin. Yeah, that's what I got. Oh, you have that on yeah, your grunt. Yeah, I have yeah, it on my yeah, grunt. I so, yeah, you're going to that real quick. Anyway, so, I've got the autofocus on mine. Granted, the it's not as nice, but it is auto. Do the hand thing. Do the hand thing. Everybody does that on YouTube. Oh, right, right, right. hold on. Yeah, the hand yeah. thing? No, you it's put like your this. hand behind the knife. Oh. You put, there you go. Yeah. No, you're not familiar enough with the hand thing to make yeah but yeah there you go you can see the effect there so Close so enough. that is basically that was our big discovery this is good this is entertaining right here <laughs> <laughs> this is our first time yeah. on live it's fine you get it <laughs> um, so yeah so i would say that was probably our biggest one and then of course after you realize that it works then you can start manipulating it and wielding it like mm -hmm. like your own axe you know what i right, mean so yeah. you're like okay so let's refine this process and in the last uh two three years now um we've been refining that almost three mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. uh, yeah. of the tiger lips now we've been doing resist and this type thing for several years but in the last three years that's where we've done that so so yeah i would say that's about it so next question yeah, yeah absolutely next Let's see. While we're waiting, I just wanted you guys to see that this is on purpose. All right. <laughs> it's not by accident. <laughs> I got that one. Where are we at? Handle wood, no way. Uh, tips and tricks for knife makers doing batch work. This is from Jesse Osifson. 
All right, Jesse. So the biggest tip that I can give you as far as batch work goes is maintain a constant focus on how to make a better knife faster. That is our mantra. And wherever that journey leads you, like for me, for instance, I've been listening to a lot of manufacturing podcasts uh, in my earbuds while I'm at the grinder because it keeps me super motivated. These guys are cranking out ridiculously high precision parts at high volumes to stay competitive in a very competitive marketplace. Mm -hmm. Well, their widgets are no different than our widgets. We ours have a little bit more art in the design than say an intake manifold, you know what I mean? Or a screw, mm -hmm. but these guys still have to make them to a very specific standard. They have to make them as precise as possible and as quickly as possible because time relates to money. Yep. So I can't tell you, oh, well you should glue all your scales first and then do this because I don't know your shop. I don't know your knives. I don't know your capacity. But the reality is, is if you think with the mindset and just repeat the mantra as you're doing your daily operations, how do I make a better knife faster? Then you're going to come to these solutions. I mean, yep. for us, it's, it's true, dude, it's really dumb stuff. Like I, I have a, instead of using an Allen wrench where we change out our tube flaring guys, I have a little knurled screw that I made. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to look for this tool to get to the set screw. Right. Every you, just, time. you just have a knurled screw that you loosen. Take the thing out, put, put the thing in, tighten it, done. There's 10,000 things like that across our shop. Yes. Just little efficiency makers. Yeah. So you really need to analyze your own shop. Mm -hmm. You need to maintain that mindset and just really kind of repeat that mantra to yourself. How do I make a better knife faster? And every decision you make for modification to your shop, modification to your lockup or stock room for raw materials, mm -hmm. um, how your layout, everything it is, it should be efficiency. And it's not just to make a better knife and it's not just to make a faster knife. The two go hand in hand. They are peas and effing carrots. How to make a better knife faster. I really don't have anything to add to that. I mean, it's a, it's exactly that. How do you make a better knife faster? How do you how do you eat an elephant one bite at a one time? One bite at a time. Just make sure that each bite isn't isn't an entire elephant. Right, and don't right? start at the balloon knot. <laughs> <laughs> time for one more and then we're going to wrap yep. up this beta test because we need still need to do a wrap up meeting and see how everything went and all that stuff for sure. too um let's see pierce you have no idea the distance i'm willing to go for a klondike bar um yeah. matt Shearer, we'll leave that Shearer, one up to the imagination worst project or blade you've ever worked on made or restored uh that's a fascinating one i don't yeah, what's the worst one? You know what? I hate them all equally. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Just, just any sort of. Uh, so I, um, I recently restored a uh, M7 bayonet, a yeah. Vietnam era M7 bayonet, oh, yeah. and uh, apparently it was pretty standard for those to have gaps at the front and the back. Oh yeah, no, like uh, a big, like right, inch. just like a yeah. huge, a huge gap. So after I was done measuring it, and mine was probably full of rust and everything. But by the time I got done with it, there was about a 90,000 gap in the front and 90,000 gap in the back. So what I did is I took 60,000 black space material and 30,000 black space material and I laminated them together and I hand cut my spacers. Gap be filled. Yep, gap be filled. So I did that, put the knife back together after taking it completely apart, stripping it down, taking all the parkerizing off. How did you finish we them to the, let's say the perimeter of the top of the handle? Oh, oh I just I just traced them. And then took them down, no and 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 just a, a ninety degree platen with a with a four hundred with a four hundred grit belt for yeah. the final work, and I just spun you made it. Made the line disappear, and you were stopped. Yep, and, yeah. and right. I made, made the line disappear, and I stopped, and I might have gone back with like a twelve hundred to smooth it out, 
but I had my top and the bottom already marked, so it would go back on the, the exact same spot. I, gotcha. I'm a huge fan of, uh, of, of part marking, of, uh, I, don't, I don't know, book matching. Oh, okay, book matching. Gotcha. I'm a huge fan of book matching. So it's like, this piece goes on exactly this way. This is the top, this is the bottom, this is the left, this is the right. I'll mark all of them. Oh, like orientation. Right, yeah. orientation yeah. and all those. And so I will custom make that piece to fit exactly in this one spot in exactly the, the right way. There you go. So I'll make the piece to do that. I did that for the front and did it for the back. I stripped the park rising off. I reground the blade, got all the rust off. I acid dipped it a couple of times. Um, I don't even know what steel those are made out of. What are those made out of, Matt? No, it's a 10 series, I would assume. 10 series, like 1074, 1080 something? Possibly. I mean, they're bayonets. I mean, the air on the side of toughness or edge retention isn't for shit. Right. But, or, but, sorry, but uh, it isn't yeah. as fantastic as what people are used to in super steels, but they are very tough. Well, the last thing they wanted to do is to have the bayonet break. Yeah. Right, and then, and then be off of it. So, so yeah. toughness makes It'd sense. It'd be like a disposable so, bayonet. You have to change it every right. time you dag somebody. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which you, you definitely, I don't want in a war situation, right. I imagine. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I acid bathed it. Ended up looking really good. I acid bathed the guard. Oh, cool. You know, you're yeah, j yeah. just uh, just on top of it. It still had all the same markings on Which it. Which has to feel better in the park. Mm -hmm. Like, anytime I get a new bayonet or something new that's parkerized, yeah. immediately with, like, quadruple ot synthetic steel wool wd-40 mm -hmm. i wipe the whole thing because it's like chalky it is it shows it all absolutely like is. every fingernail mark shows on it so i immediately just kind of like knock down the highs and mm -hmm. by acid dipping after grinding you're you're already there so yeah, i mean that's, yeah, a, that's the best it's gonna look absolutely so that was probably the most uh grueling thing that i've ever restored but i did that filled up the spaces put the pommel back on repeaned it down and uh, by the time i was done it looked really really nice nice so um well, so yeah that's that's my thing. Uh, and you know what else? That is a live feed. That's a live feed. So thanks for everybody. joining us, Thank gang. you for joining yeah, us. I really appreciate everybody, it. Really appreciate it. I just, uh, thank you. This is the coolest next step for the podcast. This increases our FaceTime with you guys. This increases, um, this, this increases our engagement and it increases, uh, it increases the time we have available for other things yeah, absolutely. as well. And the, so, the whole experience and yeah. everything can get shared with everybody. So we really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, we're going to try to polish the edges on this. It's going to be an evolutionary process as we go. Mm -hmm. uh, we're constantly seeing kind of areas that we need to tweak and adjust, but I think as a maiden voyage, this wasn't half bad. So thanks yeah. again, gang. And, uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Then make sure to share this video as often as you can make sure to, uh, check us out on uh, soundcloud and subscribe to the podcast wherever you can because uh we reach everywhere everywhere that aggregates podcast you'll find behind the blade that's true take it easy guys